Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. All right, uh, good to have you guys here tonight. What we were planning on doing then tonight is having a a kind of a prayer vigil for Israel as they're at war uh, uh, with Hamas. And so we'll do the first part of the prayer vigil. The second part, we're, we're going to actually try, attempt to talk to one of the IDFs on the ground in Israel and uh, be able to get their assessment of what's happening. And then also they're going to let us know how we can help them. Uh, I think the big issue that they're telling us now is that they need um, bulletproof jackets. Uh, uh, and so they're, we're going to show you a way to help them in doing that. Um, and so I got that coordinated today. We'll see how the Zoom works uh, and pray for that to happen. Um, but it would be good to hear, uh, his name's Uriel, and uh, he's on the ground there. And uh, there, I said, you, are you going to be okay with us doing it at 7 o'clock at night? And he goes, well, we're up all night anyway. So it didn't, it, it didn't matter to him. They're, they're, but uh, we're going to try to get about 20 minutes from him and uh, and then, you know, he's going to tell us how we can help them. Because um, they, they do need supplies. They need stuff coming in there. And you're hearing reports that they don't need it, but they actually do. Because his, his unit, um, he says he does. Uh, they do, that unit does need help and does need bulletproof uh, jackets and stuff like that as they go in there. Um, so we'll do that second hour. Then we'll talk a little bit about what's on the ground there, what's been happening uh, I, like I said, this is not like a this is not uh, your like a children's Sunday school. I'm going to show you a lot of images um, that you actually need to see because um, I want you to look at the face of what evil looks like, and I want you to know what Satan looks like and his activities and why why Israel has every right to go in there and actually just destroy uh, Hamas and destroy everything associated with Hamas uh, in the Gaza Strip. Uh, and you're going to hear a lot of weird stuff come out about Israel. They're up there, you know, it's genocide, it's this and it's that, and they shouldn't be doing this. And it's like, no, no, that, that whole people group have had plenty of chances to get their act figured out. And uh, they've had plenty of millions of dollars given into them from different organizations, including the United States, uh, to change things uh, and to make things better. And what have they done? They have just built bombs and terrorist activities, and they celebrate it. And, and it's like, well, okay, well, you're at the end of the line now. Because when Israel's done with you, there won't be anybody left anymore in that area. And I'm sorry, that's just this is what it is. And, you know, um, don't try to get pietistic about it. Don't try to get pacifistic about it. It is what it is. And um, you, you cut babies' heads off and you uh, rape Jewish women, and you just kill innocent civilians, um, you're an animal. And I have no problems to say that. You have ceased being a human at that point in time when you're willing to decapitate babies. Um, You're on the level of a dog, and you need to be treated like a dog and wiped out. And that's what these Hamas terrorists are. They're nothing, they're not human, they're demonic. And um, they deserve that. And now I, I, you know, I think I fully understand uh, I know, you know, the Nephilim problem when Joshua went, and went into the land, but I, I now understand a little bit more of 
when you, you reach a certain point in a people group and there's just no changing them and it's generation after generation after generation, the same ilk, same evil, same nonsense. Um, you can see why he went and told Joshua, I don't want you to go in there and I want you to drive all of them out. And I want you to, and in certain territories, they said, I want you to slaughter every one of them. I want you to kill the men and the women and the children, and I want you to kill the animals as well and burn everything. Uh, and I know those are Nephilim clans and, and whatnot, but you have to, uh, you have to understand, uh, on a nationalistic level, we're not talking on a, a one-to-one level. This is what a lot of Christians confuse Christianity with Israel. Israel's a nation. Christianity's an individual religion. Okay, so when it says to turn the other cheek, to take verbal insults, it doesn't mean that Israel's supposed to turn the other cheek. You don't apply that to a nation. You apply that to you personally. And so a lot of these pacis, paf, uh, pacis, uh, can't even say it, pacifists, Christians, and, and I, I don't know what else to call them, uh, just um, apparently are misapplying personal admonitions and applying personal admonitions to a nation, you don't do that. That's, that's, a, that's the, the worst hermeneutic you could possibly do is apply, like turn the other cheek, a verbal insult, and do that to the nation of Israel and say they're not, you know, they're supposed to not do, not retaliate. Well, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not, that, you don't understand Christianity then. You don't understand the nation of Israel. And I think a lot of Christians have this, this problem. I, I was talking to a few prophecy teachers this, year, this week and have been trying to get briefings on what's going on. And they're coming out and saying, yeah, man, you know, Israel needs to squash uh, the Hamas. And, and you've got these pietistic, pacifist Christians saying, oh, yeah, yeah, don't do that. Don't say that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? If you can't name evil and say that evil, justice needs to be given to evil, then there's something wrong with your moral anchor. What is wrong with you? You don't, yeah, God is love, but God is just. And you do this kind of stuff to innocent civilians, you deserve to die. And that's it. You're an animal. And I will call you an animal. And if you don't like it, too bad. Because that's what you are. You're a demon. You have let yourself be possessed and to, and to carry out what you want. So very concerned about this. And... Um, and uh, we're going to look at it, and uh, we're going to talk about how it plays into the end times. But again, one of the things we have to do is pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, and obviously, that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to pray. And um, I'm going to have uh, the different pastors of our staff come up and, and share a little bit aspect of it. And then we'll pray. And uh, we need to be praying for Israel. We won't. We want Israel to be saved before the rapture. Not, I, know the, the, I know the scenario, not all of Israel gets saved, but we want as many Jews to get saved before, the, before this so they can go in the rapture and not have to go through the tribulation period, as Olivier Melnick will say. And, and, and so um, we just pray that a lot of this stuff that's going on in Israel wakes a lot of Jews up to the Messiah now. Uh, and that's our concern too, because as you know, this doesn't get any better for Israel. It gets worse Israel will go through a nightmare. And if you think this is a nightmare, you have no idea the nightmare the Antichrist will put him through. And, and the other invasion that's going to happen in Armageddon and whatnot. So, you know, our concern is Israel, obviously. And, and, uh, and so we're going to pray for them. So anyway, let's start off tonight with prayer. Um, uh, let's, I'll start in prayer. And then who's first up? Uh, Rory is first up. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening, and our, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, your people, uh, Israel, as they fight these terrorist animals, 
And Father, we just are going to lift them up in prayer to you and ask for your intervention, ask for your, your guidance for them, ask for their, for their help in their war against terrorism and, and against these evil people that want to wipe them out. We, we pray for their protection. We pray for the hostages, all of them, to be released and get out of there safely. And we just pray that all through all of this, Father, they would turn your attention to your son, that your son is the answer for them. And so we just lift them up to you. Father, uh, we, we, we love uh, your people, the Jews. And uh, again, this is why we're here, Father. Bless our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Rory, why don't you come on up and share a little bit. He's gonna, each person's going to pray for a particular thing, a uh, particular item for us. So, uh, Rory, you can go ahead and share that. You have a mic right there? There you go. Perfect. Thanks, man. Pastor Rory. Good evening, everybody. My name is Rory Franklin, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at Rock Harbor Church and the head over the men. So thank you for showing up this evening. We're going to start out in Psalm 46, and we're going to read through that. And then once we finish that, I'm going to talk about that a little bit, and then we'll close in a prayer. All right, starting on verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Salah. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease, the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and he cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. When you, when you read that, you know, it's easy to look. You look right now what's going on in Israel, and you think, man, how is God with him right now? But there's a lot going on that, that God's allowing even at this time. And God has a plan for his people. And he's in the midst of them right now. We know in the Abrahamic covenant assures that his foreign policy is guaranteed to carry on his promises towards them. In 1948 was a big shock to those who were doubters about Israel's existence and plan. But we see that today, and that's going forward. And so when we're looking right now, and we see these type of horrific events, and you look in the news, and you see the things that happened at the music festival, you see what happened in the kibbutzes, and in people's homes and houses, and you think, how horrible that this is happening to God's people. But there's a plan still in there, and God is at work in this people. And the tribulations and trials that people go through in the nation of Israel, are meant to get him focused on him, which is where the relationship is broke right now. So when we look at this test that's going through, what we should really be wondering about right now is, is this leading towards some of God's prophetic events? Could Psalm 83 be on the horizon? Could the Gog and Magog war be coming? Because these types of things can be triggered by these look events. And we're going to get some good information to what else is going on on the ground tonight, and maybe we'll find something else about that. And that'll be good information to help us in our prayer life towards the Jews. <clears throat> so when we're looking at what's going on, we want to think about certain aspects of this prayer. And the very beginning gives us our first start. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we're not fear. God is with them right now. He is certainly right there in the midst of them. And he wants them to look towards him for help rather than towards the other mechanisms that they're relying on right now. 
So when we're looking at Psalm 83, you think, oh, well, they're going to expand their territory based off of that, but the next war they won't. And that gives us part of our next idea of really what's going to happen there in this process we're waiting to see unfold, and we may be here for, right? We may actually get to see some of these events unfold. And so when it says that, be still and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth, God is going to exalt himself through the nation of Israel, rest assured in that. And when these people go out there and they think they're going to conquer Israel, and they start casting their war planes or whatever else to do against them, that next battle after Psalm 83 is going to be something that's going to be a shock to the whole world. And God will become exalted, right? People are going to see that and they're going to be wondering what is going on. Will we be here for that? I don't know. Could be something we're not here for. But I do know that that's going to rattle the world, right? And think about how the different scenarios, we look at all the movies that try and give this idea that there's going to be alien abductions and things like that, right? Think about how that plays into that. What if we're not here when that happens? What are they going to say? Oh, the same aliens that took those bad people who is now protecting the nation. I mean, they'll come up with some crazy twisted story, right, to, to play that out. But we know Israel is still there as what matters, right, just as God said it would be. So think about him in the midst there. When you look at all that's going on, this promises not to fear. Though the mountains might be carried to the sea, though the roar of the trouble, right, the mountain shake, it's talking about how the whole fundamental foundation of the earth could be getting upset, but God is there stable in their midst, rock solid, unmovable in their midst. And that's their hope. But right now, they don't know who that hope is relying in. And that's what we're looking for. And we pray for them. We want them to recognize where that hope is in. And that's in Jesus Christ. And that's where they have to make that segue into that and continue, continue to challenge them to see that need. And so when we're praying for them, obviously, we want that strength that God's promised them and those people when they go out and fight to be in them. We want to be able to protect themselves. We don't want these horrible evils happening to them. It's heartbreaking to watch and read some of those events. It's sickening. But there's still that opportunity for them to wake up and realize that something else is going on, just as God's word predicted for them. And this is where we kind of hope they'll wake up to. We look forward to those events. We pray for those events to come forward, right? When you look at the, the model prayer, right? Thy kingdom come. This is really what we're looking for. Thy kingdom come can only come the Jewish nation fulfills the promises God's made towards it. And that's what we're looking for is those fulfillments. So this promise of protection and power is all available to them right now. And because of those unilateral promises in God's foreign policy, they're not going anywhere. And whoever runs up against them is going to be crushed. He is the shield. He is their strength. And that's something they have to, though, get into to actually with Christ to get the fullness of it, which won't be fully recognized until the second coming, which guess what? we will be coming back to see firsthand as we follow him in. So there's a lot of exchange that has to go in from what we see now in these little events, which could turn into much more significant events. If that happens, that's a good thing. That means we're that much closer to Christ's return. and our. So those are good things for us to consider. So look at this, this prayer then. If you consider what God's offering here, his sureness of protection and presence, though, it's based on... The relationship, if you look at the covenants, being correct. And that's what's damaged. And that's what they need to get fixed. And that's so there's temporal consequences into that damage of that relationship. And the same can happen to us. So that's just the other aspect of our personal application. There are temporal consequences when we get offline with God, even for us. And that's where we want to ground ourselves in that same way. He is our shield. He's our strength. But we have to be operating correctly with him. And so you're seeing that aspect play out for their life as well. So where do we go? Well, obviously we want to see the, the nation 
at peace, right? That's what we want to pray for, the peace of Israel. God tells us to. That peace is ultimately never going to be fully recognized apart from their Messiah. But we still pray for it because if we pray for that, we are praying for that kingdom to be fulfilled, his kingdom to come. And, and that's what we desire. We desire that fulfillment in that purpose. God is there. He's ready to fulfill all his promises towards them. The certain ones that they're not going to be able to touch or destroy them are certainly in place. Other ones, though, where there's the challenges which are going to mold them, crucible of fire that's going to test them and purify them, though, still have to come. And that's the challenge that they're going to continue to deal with until they recognize who their Messiah is. So, in closing, we're just going to look at this. We're going to pray then, right? We want to pray then for their protection, for God's strength to be in them. We want to pray about that in a way, though, that recognizes their need at the same time. So, let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before your throne, Father, and you are the great protector, Father. You are the shield for all of us, Father, that rely upon you as we continue to operate in your word and your way, Father. We know that whatever the outcome is, Father, that you can be exalted in that and glorified if we just trust you and continue to operate by faith. And so we lift up Israel right now who is put in the crucible of a test right now. We see that testing and the horrible things have been done. Father, we know that evil, though, will not stand against you. Father, if they would... They will not be able to overcome you or your plan for your nation, and they will be put down. Father, we know that even as things may look darker and tougher, Father, that you're still with your people, but there are real-world temporal costs in those battles until they recognize you, Father. That's what we pray for, that Israel would wake up to their need for the Messiah, that, we, that they would come with that Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is the day we yearn for, Father, that your kingdom would be made real on this planet. So, Father, we lift up Israel. We pray that, pray that as people see them and you working in them, that they come alert to your actual actions in this world and know, Father, that you are ready to defend them. Father, that you have an offer of your grace and mercy to them as well and protect all who will come to you. So, Father, we lift up nation of Israel, Father, and their people. We ask for these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Rory. Appreciate that. Pastor Michael. We mourn. We mourn with Israel. Born with Israel, and we ask for God's comfort. Let I read Psalm 23, Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's two main points I want to bring out, highlight here. And then I want to give an illustration quickly that's related to comfort. Is that this was a psalm of David. So there's the application for David, then there's the application for, the, for, for us as Christians. But since we're here for Israel, what's the application for the nation of Israel? And here we have, Yo, I, though, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Israel, walking through the valley of shadow of death, fears no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We often learn here from a church standpoint that that rod and staff, the rod is beating off the enemy and the staff is guiding the sheep. From a national standpoint, that's the way it applies with God. 
to the nation of Israel. And he prepares a table in the presence of my enemy. And this is in spite of the impending danger that's happening to the nation of Israel, God is still preparing a table before nation's enemies. And then you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. The abundant blessing that comes through their, their God, our God, their God. And then the application I want to bring out is that, now from, to be academically honest, I heard this sermon many years ago, more than 20 years ago, that really helped me when it came to comfort in times of grief. So I, so I don't know who said it, I can't remember, so I can't really give credit, but I, don't, I want you to understand it's not my original thought, but it goes like this. Where is God? Where is God when, people, when babies are being beheaded? Where is God when children are being killed? Innocent men, women, and children are being slaughtered, and young women are being raped and, and, and mutilated, and people going to a party and getting shot. Where is God? I know where God is. He's exactly where he was when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross 2,000 years ago. He's the God that sees. In the Bible, he is El Roy, which means the God who sees. And that's not a passive seeing. That's an active seeing that one day he will bring forth judgment and he will bring comfort to Israel. Also, he's Yahweh Shammah. He's the God that's there. And also, Yahweh Shalom, which is the God of peace. And so out of all those names, all those names that, the, that, the Hebrew, that Israel understands, there's the name above all names, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we pray for Jesus in this situation, that Jesus would reveal himself, that, that people would come to know him as their Lord and Savior, and that he would comfort the nation of Israel. So let's pray. Father God, Almighty God, we just pray for the nation of Israel that you comfort the people on both sides of the situation, innocent men and women who are being tortured and hurt in, in this situation, Father, that, that you be with them and comfort them. And Father, as an act of worship, we say tonight, we declare tonight that God, Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may you be glorified in this situation, Lord, and that you bring forth comfort to the people in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it, man. Who we got up? David, can you make your way up there? There you go, my friend. Pastor David. Good evening. During World War II, somebody asked Corey Ten Boom in Holland, which was occupied by the Germans, and uh, they were rounding up the Jews uh, all over that country as well as all over Europe. And somebody asked her, um, and you remember her family was hiding uh, Jews in their attic, and of course they were risking their lives by doing that. And somebody asked uh, Corey Ten Boom, do you hate the Nazis? <clears throat> and she said, no, I feel sorry for them. And uh, she asked, uh, they asked her, why do you feel sorry for the Nazis? And she quoted Zechariah chapter two and verse eight. 
and said, I feel sorry for the Nazis because they have touched the apple of God's eye. You don't want to do that. For thus says the Lord in Zechariah 2 and chapter, uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, uh, the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. And so the enemies of Israel that have dared to touch the apple of his eye are in for a very, very bad time. And uh, we see that in Scripture. I want to go all the way back to uh, Joshua and uh, read Joshua, God's promise to Joshua, God's comfort and instruction to him on the verge of going into the promised land. And uh, God said to him, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. You notice there the reference to uh, the books of uh, Genesis and Exodus where God promises the land to Abraham and his descendants. And he's maintaining that promise. He's updating it here to Joshua. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, there's good advice for us in that. And it's interesting to remember that uh, when God was talking to Joshua here, uh, the Bible was the first five books of the Torah only. There was no other books in the Bible yet. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And God has maintained that promise up and down through conquests and exiles and uh, th through uh, the many uh, trials and tribulations of uh, Israel becoming a country in 1948 and uh, <coughs> being uh, engaged in war after war after war. Seems like for a while there, every 10 15 years they were attacked again. And there is another attack coming. Uh, many of you are familiar with Psalm 83. Uh, and it describes a confederacy of, it seems like uh, Arab countries. Um, the ancient names for the Arab countries are used here in Psalm 83. And it seems like there is a coming confederacy or coalition that is going to attack Israel in the future, and it could be in the near future, and it could be that some of what we're seeing today is some of that shaping up. Uh, Psalm 83 and verse 5, For they have consulted with one another, they form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria, also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Okay, so children, Lot had some, you know, bad children. They gave birth to nations, and uh, these countries were helping the children of Lot against Israel. Uh, and then the psalmist concludes down in verse 13 uh, in a prayer to God, Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind. 
And as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. And so the psalmist concludes decisively that uh, Israel is going to triumph against that confederacy uh, that uh, joins against it, which we, we might see in our lifetime. This might happen before the rapture. We might very well see this, or it might happen just after the rapture. Uh, we're not exactly sure, but uh, the prophecy is there in Psalm 83. Uh, now, I've always um, been interested in Israel's wars and have made a little bit of a study of them. <clears throat> and uh, I want to just add to some of the comments that have been made here. Um, <clears throat> one of you came up just before the meeting and asked me, uh, in 1948, were, was, were the Palestinians offered a country? Okay, uh, Because the United Nations voted to offer, uh, let's uh, say, the... Uh, uh, well, it's to offer Israel a country, the Jewish committee that was, you know, talking about forming a country. Uh, they did that in November of 1947. And in 1948, the country was born. Well, what about the Palestinians? Well, they were offered a country at that time. And I've counted up about, um, I think it's five or six times when the Palestinians were offered their own country. Now, granted, you may not like a country the way it's been drawn up for you, but sooner or later, you have to sort of, you have to take what's offered you. Now, the Jews under David Ben-Gurion took the first offer in 48, the first offer that was made to them. Actually, it wasn't the first, but it was the first one they were able to grab a hold of. And they took it and they ran with it. And the result was they put together a viable country. The Palestinians, unfortunately, have never really wanted to work at making a country. They just want to work at destroying one, unfortunately. Uh, and in uh, the wars, you know, there are many, many stories of Israeli military prowess. And one of my favorites <clears throat> I will share with you, and it's actually from the Lebanon War in the 80s. Now, I think, I'm not sure, but I think we have a veteran of that war sitting in the back of our uh, auditorium tonight. Okay, so you can spy around and see who looks like he might be an IDF veteran, all right? And uh, see if you can run him down and get him to tell you a story or two. No kidding, I think we, we have a, an actual veteran of the Lebanon War of the 80s. And in that war, I always remember, and I just read this out of Time Magazine, this is not, not any military secrets or anything. Uh, the Israeli Air Force uh, had a big, gigantic dogfight with the Syrian Air Force over Lebanon and Syria. The Syrians lost 83 planes. The Israelis lost one. Now, how do you do that in combat? That's impossible. But that was what happened. And that's the kind of semi-miraculous things that happened time after time after time for Israel. Israel's training counted, its equipment counted, but also there was something behind it something else, and we can detect, of course, the hand of God. Uh, somebody once asked an Israeli general, how come you never lose any wars? And he replied, because the first one we lose will be the last. 
And I want to read Psalm 121. Um, and uh, it was interesting that last night at the prayer vigil at um, the Bethel Synagogue, the mayor of Bakersfield came up to make comments, and she recited this psalm. And I went up to her afterwards, and I said, you're a pretty good preacher. Where'd you get this, this stuff from? And uh, she said, my, my brother's a pastor, okay? <laughs> the mayor of Bakersfield. Wonderful psalm. I'll, I'll read it and then conclude with prayer. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade of your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and from evermore. And uh, we're going to pray for the soldiers of Israel. Uh, many of them are young. The rest of them are reservists. But he has pointed out that urban warfare is extremely dangerous and demanding and that they probably haven't been had time enough to be trained up for it. Um, before we send our Marines or soldiers into, you know, cities over in the Middle East, we usually uh, make them spend a couple of weeks training up. And uh, <clears throat> we'll pray for uh, one IDF soldier called Micah. And he's the son of the veteran who's sitting at the back of our auditorium. All right? We'll pray especially for Micah and all of the troops. Father, we want to lift up our eyes to the hills and uh, we want to seek our help from there, but we want to seek help from Israel, for Israel, um, <clears throat> from you, Lord. And we pray that you would intervene as you have many times before in recent history and in ancient history to save your people. We thank you for your victories um, over your enemies. And we pray tonight for uh, the 300,000 troops, Israeli troops, IDF troops that are poised on the borders of Gaza to go in. We pray that you'll be with them, calm their nerves, help them to call upon you. We pray especially for Micah, Lord, that you would be with him, preserve him, and be with all of those troops. Keep them safe from booby traps and snipers and all of the rest of the dangers that they will encounter there. And uh, Lord, may they be able to fulfill their mission with a, with a minimum of casualties. We pray give the government of Israel Prime Minister Netanyahu, wisdom, Lord, and courage as he leads the country. And we just thank you for him, that he seems to be the only person on the leader on the world stage who has any moral clarity, uh, any, any direction, any certainty of purpose. And we pray, uh, be with him, strengthen him, and to be with the country of Israel, Lord. Take care of your own people. And... Uh, Father, we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, David. God bless you. All right. Pastor Eric, come on up, man. Thank you. Hello. For those that don't, of you that don't know me, my name is Eric Becker. Um, and uh, I'm here to talk about Israel, the apple of God's eye. The world and most of the church don't, which has forgotten how precious the people of Israel are to God. Moses first uses the phrase, the apple of his eye, 
in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32, starting in verse 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. And then the prophet Zechariah declares in verse 2, in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For thus says the Lord of hosts, and then this is the Messiah speaking here, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For surely I will shake my hand against them, and they shall become spoil for their servants. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. The Hebrew word bava, which is translated as apple, could also be translated as pupil. The pupil of his eye, indicating something that is delicate, highly valued, and in need of protection. David M. Levy wrote, when you look into someone's pupil, you'll see it acts as a mirror, reflecting your image back at you. In a biblical context, the Jewish people are metaphorically reflected in God's eye. They are so precious to him that he protects them as he would protect the pupil of his own eye. We protect and defend our eyes instinctually. It is in our nature to do so. How would you react when someone tried to poke you in the eye? You'd flinch, you'd close your eyes, and your hand would rapidly come up to deflect the object coming before your eyes. It is innate. It is in God's nature also to protect Israel. Levy also stated, when Israel is afflicted, God feels it as though the affliction happened to him. The prophet Isaiah wrote, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. Isaiah 63, 9. Anyone who touches Israel will be struck by God's hand. Why? Because an attack on Israel is an attack on God. This sentiment is also laid out in the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is an everlasting, unconditional, and unilateral covenant, as shown in Genesis 17:7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you, in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you, and your descendants after you. I will establish my covenant, makes it unconditional and unilateral. It does not matter what state Israel is in, whether unbelief or belief. God, by his will and his grace, will carry it out. 
Everlasting means, well, everlasting. There are four covenants that are made in like manner. The Abrahamic, the land covenant, the Davidic, and the new covenant. God blesses Israel with these covenants because they are precious to him and for his glory. We are called to bless Abraham, to bless Israel by the Abrahamic covenant. And Romans 15, 26 through 27, calls us to bless the remnant of Israel materially. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Then comes the curse portion of Genesis 12, verse 3. Hamas, the Palestinians, Iran, by striking Israel, have brought down upon their own heads the curse of the Abrahamic covenant. God is striking them with his fury through the Israeli military. The media is already condemning Israel for their actions in Gaza. But the Palestinian people are culpable for the actions of Hamas. They elected them as the government, governing authority over Gaza. They have been teaching their children for de generations to be terrorist martyrs, that they should knock on heaven's gates with the skull of a Jew. The atrocities that have been committed deserve God's vengeance. Let us pray for Israel and that our hearts would be as God's heart towards his people and that he would protect his people Israel and protect his remnant among the Palestinian people. Let's go in prayer. Lord, we come to you with heavy hearts for this horrible thing that we have witnessed. Lord, we just ask that we would see Israel as you see Israel, that the world would come to see Israel as you see Israel. Lord, that you would shake the nations, that they would come to you, that they would see Yeshua as Messiah. Lord, we know that not everyone will will bow a knee willingly. Lord, but we ask that your will be done here on earth, that your kingdom come. Lord, we ask this, and that you protect the nation of Israel. You protect her peoples. You protect the remnant of Palestine and get them out of the way. We pray this in the name of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.